You're listening to Marcus Sahaba Online Radio Podcast. Yes, our Mufti, A.K. Hussain, busy with the tour, mashallah, already enlightening people in this part of the world of Durban. And uh, joining now uh, us now is a world-renowned uh, firebrand. Yeah, he's a South African uh, member of parliament that is world-renowned. And he's world-renowned like, you know what, South Africa has been embraced and celebrated of people of truth who says there's a country that's taking the, you know, the uh, perpetrators of genocide to the courts. Ahmed Mandur Sheikh Imam and the listeners of uh, Mar Sahaba, the voice of the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. And tell me, how are you doing this fine, beautiful evening? Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Mashallah, very nice evening in the city of Durban. I can say that quite a few people on the beach already enjoying the uh, E. coli contaminated water. Of course, <laughs> hasn't deterred them. But yes, indeed, you know. A little bit more relaxed, though, because I think many of the holidaymakers seem to have left and giving the beach a little bit of a rest. But Alhamdulillah, all is well. As you said, all is well. And uh, no, no one can get away from the fact that there's an excitement. There is, uh, you know, you find Malaysia embracing and celebrating South Africa, Nalidi Pando making the news headlines with the, the people of truth for the right reason and the people of evil getting angry at South Africa. You know what you have done? There'll be repercussions. But talking about the positivity, uh, you know, that our country has been seen in the lights of, you know, Nelson Mandela, who fought for liberation and was looked upon as a man of truth. But there's many other stories also. But let's uh, keep on the straight and narrow here and focus on South Africa uh, taking on uh, this um, you know, the Zionist state of Israel. And, uh, they, you know, complicit there is America and all the other Western states that voted uh, against a ceasefire. Ahmad? Well, let me start off, first of all, by saying, and Jazakallah for giving me the opportunity, let us welcome the decision by the South African government uh, to report this matter to the International Court of Justice, um, given the fact that the Israeli government, the Zionist state of Israel, continues to violate the human rights, continues with its ethnic cleansing um, in, in Gaza and many other parts of Palestine. Um, at the same time, I think it is important to note that Joe Biden should have also been reported because he is aiding and abetting the Zionist state of Israel to continue with this ethnic cleansing that is taking place in Gaza and other parts of Palestine. Uh, so yes, indeed, we must welcome it. In welcoming it, my concern is that yes, indeed, the courts, although I'm a little bit concerned about the senior prosecutor, who appears to be a former, and I think it is a Gambian judge, who does not have a good track record of human rights anyway herself. Uh, my concern is that I have no doubt if they are objective, if they are independent, they apply the rule of law, then Israel will be found to have been guilty of violating international law. Uh, they will be found guilty of ethnic cleansing. Uh, there is no doubt about that. 
Now, the question that arises is, once that happens and they are found guilty, where to from there? It then may end up in the United Nations Security Council. And we know very well, and even the ANC knows when they reported this anyway, that the United Nations Security Council just needs one country, like the United States or others, to veto this and everything comes to a standstill. This is exactly what has happened in the past. No, absolutely, Ahmed. As you said, this has happened in the past, and then that is a farcical thing because when it goes to uh, you know United Nations, the veto power comes in, and America has been doing this uh, with the uh, you know regularity, uh, regularity. And it's high time uh, that uh, you know they pass the bill where they get rid of America for good and uh, you know expel America from uh, the United Nations. What's your thoughts, Ahmed? Well, I think what this will do, my brother, in create an opportunity or an environment for the international community to come together. And should this happen, that the United States or anyone who has a veto power exercises their right in terms of that veto power to limit or ensure that no sanctions are imposed on the Zionist state of Israel. In fact, it should be against the United States too with what Joe Biden has been doing with all the military aid and things. It will create an environment or an opportunity for the international community to call for reform on all these international institutions which many of, in my view, appear to be puppet organizations controlled by a handful of them. Okay, like NATO is no different if you see what happened even with Russia, Ukraine and issues. So it will now give you an opportunity to understand how limited your participation and your power is in this international instruments or institutions and the question each one should be asking, what is the purpose of these institutions if countries like the United States of America and the Zionist state of Israel, many of the G7 countries, you know, they call them genocide countries anyway, that these countries have so much of power that they rule and what they say is ultimate. That's what must be, must, you know, be implemented. So if they're going to exercise the power, means that these institutions are toothless, and then it's up to the international community. Either we reform it to the extent that it becomes, I can't say remains independent because it's not, becomes independent, objective, that it will conduct itself without any fear of favor, okay? Or else they must pull out in mass, all of them, at the same time. If you see what the stance that Malaysia is supporting, the South African decision, Turkey has now come out in support as well. And all like-minded countries should come together, all those that uphold human rights or believe in upholding human rights, who want a more equal society, social upliftment for the people, one country not dominating the rest of them, if these are some of the things that they want, 
then they should put pressure on the, 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 the international institutions that appear to be manipulated, that you either reform or we shut it down and create an alternative, like Putin says, and I say this on behalf of the NFP, I've said again and again, we need a new World Bank, we need a new IMF, we need a new World Health Organization. You know, we need these things. And uh, that's the route we should be going. So what it is doing, it is creating greater awareness, a great initiative, even though I honestly believe that the, the, the government of today in South Africa know very well that they have li very little chances of it succeeding at the end of the day. But what is important is the findings, and the findings will give a message to the masses on the ground all over the world on the atrocities, ethnic cleansing, and things that's committed by the Zionist state of Israel. Now, then it is up to, to decide which of these countries respect human rights, which of these countries are willing to stand together so that collectively you can call for reform. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, just selectively you can call for reform. But the big question to pose is, are you looking at the judicial systems of the world, uh, looking at our different countries? Uh, you look at South Africa. I mean, uh, you know, uh, mashallah, we have uh, made this big, bold uh, statement of uh, taking uh, Israel uh, to the uh, international courts. But we talk about our local courts. You know, we had the Zondo Commission and uh, then we had uh, many other court cases uh, where, you know, uh, people literally got away with uh, murder. And it seems that, you know, we are very compromised indeed. Uh, certain cases take years and years to, uh, you know, to come to, uh, to the fore. But uh, nothing comes of it. Uh, you know, and then you look at uh, in, in, in Pakistan, the judicial uh, system there, every province will give you a different verdict. And it will see that, you know, innocent people are being incarcerated, people are taken away, thrown away. And then in America, they, the, the, they held bent, the Biden uh, regime is held bent in putting uh, Donald Trump behind bars. He's not an angel also. What's your thoughts about uh, the judicial system across the world? I mean, you look at it, are they slanted? Are they biased? Or what's going on? Or are they being captured by uh, conglomerates? And, uh, you know, maybe influences uh, that are more prone to evil, uh, Ahmad? Well, it's not unusual for judicial officers, particularly courts uh, uh, and judges, magistrates, to have different views, different opinions that come to different findings based on the evidence before them. That is why that you can fail in one court, you go to the higher court, you might succeed. If you fail there, you can go to the appeal court, you can succeed there. You, you know. However, I think the state of compromise of the judiciary all over the world, even in South Africa, you have read again and again some of the most shocking judgments that you've ever had. You know. Uh, it, it, it really goes down to whether we are pro producing quality or quantity. But the other major problem is the corruption. In fact, there are serious allegations that even the judiciary in South Africa is captured. There's, there's very serious allegations. Uh, and that is also becoming a problem. 
You are correct in the Zondo Commission. We spent a lot of money. How many arrests? Nothing. Where is it going at this stage? Nothing. No way. So if your judiciary cannot be entirely independent and objective, and this is the last line of constitutional rights and protection of our people, then we are in serious trouble. And indeed, many countries, including our very own, are in trouble when it comes to the judiciary. But having said that, there is a level of corruption as well when you talk about judicial uh, uh, capture. You know, one is capacity, the other one is corruption, where, you know, judges are being bought off, people, magistrates, are, we, we read about it all the time, about and some of the judgments that they give. Uh, so, yes, it's a problem. And internationally, there appears to be the same problem. I must tell you that the African continent has a serious problem when it comes to that. If you look in some of the country, it's the, the courts are running. If you look in even in South Africa, every little matter, people are running into court and abusing the court processes. So you're not getting much success. The only people that benefit is, of course, the lawyers who laugh all the way to the bank. But um, look at Pakistan for that matter. You know that you've got the army running the country and you've got the judiciary, you know, many of whom are aiding and abetting the criminals rather than protecting the innocent and the people of the country. This is the problem we have. So you're supposed to separate politics from Chapter 9 institutions or independent institutions like the judiciary you know, and things like that should be. But we don't do it because our entire systems are a problem. If you are the people that appoint these people, how do you find these people that you appointed? Okay? And that too, you appointed them through irregular means because you know them or you align to them. How do you expect them to come and make findings against you? How? So we need to change the system if we want to get people better capacitated with integrity, values, and morals that will do the right thing. And unfortunately, the world is so twisted today that in order for you to get in, you have to know people in high places. There has to be corruption, otherwise you won't get in. So we have a serious problem when it comes to the judiciary. All of, if you look at the, 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 the senior public prosecutor of this International Court of Justice, he comes from Gambia, former Minister of Justice. If you look at the history behind her and human rights violations and things, you wonder how is it she landed the job to where she is. And if you have money today, you can buy anybody and everybody. You, go, you make a valid point there indeed, you know, criminality and the mafias are ruling the roost. But, uh, you know, let's talk about our country, South Africa. Sometime, you know, you uh, very often go to Cape Town or the Western province. And there we had, uh, you know, in a recent uh, event at the cricket match where there were these uh, 
uh, security guards are looking for people with Palestinian uh, uh, flags. And the police, uh, you know, out there, outside the stadium, wanted to arrest the people with the flags. And there, in, uh, in uh, the Cape Town, you have a, a gangsterism out of control, where, you know, children are being killed and parents' are, their lives are put to misery. The law enforcement there have got their priorities upside down, Ahmed. Uh, Brother Zafford, there is two conflicting stories here. Yesterday, I had a chat with the Provincial Commissioner for the Western Cape. And not long after that, I had a call from the Minister of Police. Now, the Provincial Commissioner is saying there was no problem as far as protesting is concerned, picketing is concerned, displaying of posters and T-shirts and banners and things. There's no problem and flags. He said, but what happened at Newlands is this, that Everyone that were called upon to comply because there was an area demarcated for at the stadium, which has been demarcated for a period of time. And that is for people that want to protest and things like that. And they all complied, safe to say one particular person, according to, to them, refused. You know, despite numerous requests, he refused. And so they attempted to move with no violence, nothing whatsoever, to move that person out so that the person can be compliant in terms of where they have provided the space for them to protest. Now, I'm not there. I haven't gone to see that. I have not got first-hand information from, from our people as to exactly what happened. What I'm getting is from the police. The police go further to say to me, there's nothing wrong with anybody protesting. There is no order saying you can't protest. On the contrary, there is judgments in this matter where it says people have the right to be able to protest. Right. So as far as they are concerned, and they went on to tell me that if anybody confiscates anything material that you are using, you know, unless, of course, it is derogatory or, you know, causes harm to somebody, if you're using these things, you post your Palestinian flags and whatever it is. They say it's similar to people are using cars. What would you do if somebody's driving with a car and painted on the car, free Palestine? You're going to confiscate the car. He says, no, you can't. So just like that, if anybody takes anything, whether you've got a flag or whatever it is, or if you're wearing a T-shirt, what will they do? Take off your T-shirt and you walk around without a T-shirt. No, it's not acceptable. In cases of that nature, you should be laying a complaint at the South African police services and they will deal with the matter. Now, remember also we have law enforcement, you have metro polices in areas, you have special units by these uh, local governments, and then you have the South African police services. The ultimate custodian of dealing with issues of this matter is the South African police services. Unfortunately, even though attempts have been made to change that, it's still in, in uh, uh, work in progress to ensure that all police departments, whether you metro, law enforcement employed by the cities, all report to the South African police services. And But that is work in progress, like I say. So that is the explanation. However, when the minister called me on this issue, I could hardly barely hear the minister. I think I was probably in a bad area at the time. And the minister was raising concern 
about someone, and I don't have that information here, that made some statements opposing what the South African government has said or done about their stand and support for Palestine. And the minister felt that the person that did that should concentrate on the sports that they went there for, and the cricket, or whatever it is in this case, and have nothing to do with going out there and opposing the views of government. But I need to get to the bottom of see what that is coming from. I'm not sure if it has anything to do with uh, uh, some interview that might have taken place, or was it something to do with this other alternative of the Islamic, Islamic uh, uh, Medical Association, that the new organization that made some comments uh, saying South Africa is not consistent, they must deal with other countries, China, India, and everybody else. So I'm not sure if it is would do that. I need to, I'm still trying to find out, and I haven't seemed to get much of that. But minister was visibly upset that somebody goes out there, stands there and opposes the decision from South Africa, opposes the decision that South African government took. He felt it, and I agree with him. No, absolutely. I'm, and, and then, you know, this whole fiasco can turn out to be an uh, ugly scene, as I said, if you're going to put a, a demarcated uh, uh, area for protesting. So you're going to put then a pro-Zionist, uh, you know, uh, pro-Palestinian in one corner where they're going to see each other and protest, Ahmed? No, uh, you know, this is why I say, Brother Shepard, I haven't been there at this stage to have a look and see. I haven't spoken to some of these people. You know, people are calling me to asking me to condemn that thing. But I've got to get first-hand information before economics to exactly what is going on. If the police have violated the rights of any of our people, we need to deal with it. The explanation I get from the police commissioner in Western Cape, and he's very amenable, I must be honest to you, uh, he, he he gives an impression there that one only one particular person was not willing to comply that made this ugly and went and uh, made mm. go viral. But we need to speak to them to find out exactly what is going on. And until that happens, I don't want to comment, uh, 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 and, but I'll deal with the matter the moment we have more information as to what is going on. But what is clear from the side of the police, you can protest, you don't need permission to protest, you can carry placards, you can put it on your cars, you can paint your cars, you can do what you want to do as far as that is concerned. Nobody can stop you and there's no law preventing you from doing that. So the statements I'm hearing that the city of Cape Town wants to take away your flags and things and say you can't do that, it's no, no, there's no such a thing. And if that happens, people are welcome to contact me and I'll deal with it appropriately and timelessly so that we could, if it means we must go to court to go and interdict these people, so be it as well. That's what we need to do. Uh, that's why it's important for you to be on platforms like this, you know, and give the legal world a chance. I mean, we see footages and sometimes, you know, it's easy to take your camera and selectively film what you want to film and put it on social media. And, you know, we had uh, scenes of, uh, you know, uh, ladies being pushed and there's someone giving commentary. Hey, he's pushing the gynecologist, see what he's doing and so forth. So we need to see the totality. And I like your approach. As you said, you went at the highest level, spoken to individuals. And as soon as you get an informed decision after all the uh, different, uh, you know, uh, 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 stories brought together, you'll put it together and then you'll uh, tell the Ummah what's going on, Ahmed. 
Brother Shepard, one very important point, and I think all our viewers and listeners must understand. At the moment, we have very high levels of protection of religious freedom in the country. We have the right to express our views and opinions in terms of the Constitution. The police are very accommodating when it comes to these things. But remember, we have different kinds of police officers. So when you have an, in, an incident, please be, make sure you take video footage. And that is what the police have told me as well, so that you know you're dealing because the the law enforcement are wearing the same color uniform that South African police services are using. We need to be mindful of that as well. So we need video footage and things like that. But we must not also expect too much. They are willing to allow us to protest, march, do what we... Remember, we've had some massive march. We had the mother of all marches in Cape Town. What a crowd. South Africa's never ever seen a crowd. We've had no incidents. Everybody were happy. Police were in presence. There was absolutely nothing. We've had many of those throughout the country. And we continue to have them with very little or no incident. So we must, yes, I know emotions would run high. And I don't blame us for emotions to run. When you hear of the way these children are dying and our brothers and sisters are being massacred and the world is still with nothing happening, it will frustrate you. It will make you emotional and it will psychologically affect you. Of course, it will create some kind of reaction from you that you too want to be part of trying to go and protect our people. Correct. I'm not going to dispute that. But just be careful that we don't get into the wrong side of the law. Yes, if anybody's violating our rights, as far as that is concerned, we have our constitutional right and mechanisms to deal with it. And, and, and that's what we will do. But at, the, but at the same time, there are those that will oppose what we're doing because they have the interest of the Zionist state of Israel. They have the interest of the Western powers in this country who virtually control 90% of this country, which we need to take back from them. So we must know that those people can just be cool, be calm, take the pictures, take the videos, whatever it is, details of whoever they are, registration of the vehicles, so that we can deal with them appropriately. If it means we have to go to court, to bring an application to ref uh, um, to interdict the city of Cape Town by for confiscating any of our people's uh, the banners and posters and whatever it is, so be it. Then that's what we will do. Well, Ahmed, on another note, uh, you know, before we end off, uh, South Africa is Israel's in Africa. We're talking about South Africa is Israel's largest trading partner in continent of Africa. Yes, indeed. But again, my brother, remember during the days of apartheid, Israel aided and abetted the apartheid regime. It is the state of Israel that worked together with the apartheid regime that also drove a lot of our mineral wealth out of the country and the illicit financial flows through to Switzerland and other things. Now, so they have one thing in common. That is why you would find the, the, the Freedom Front and all DAs and all these parties would support these apartheid state of Israel. But what we did in that process, in fact, I saw some documents the other day, which was quite disturbing, because after the 94 elections in 95, and I think another one in 2004, South Africa entered into more agreements with the state of Israel. They were 
agreements of cooperation, protection of investments and things of that nature. So the government, the ANC government from 94, what negotiations they may have perhaps had pre-1994 that led to them to enter into these agreements with the Zionist state office there is one of the things we should be interrogating and we need to get to know more about. On the other hand, it's very disappointing that after knowing that the Zionist state of Israel is the one that aided and fed the apartheid regime against South Africans, okay, treated as a subhuman in barbaric manners, that you allow these people, the Zionist state of Israel and the West, to have such a foothold, such a solid foundation in South Africa at this point in time. That even if you wanted to go on a boycott, you don't know what to boycott. Because if you walk into a supermarket, nine out of ten times either directly or indirectly, you know, associated with Israel or the West, all these countries that are violating the rights of others. And until such time we become self-sufficient and take back our country, give a good example. Our mineral wealth is controlled by them. Our financial institutions controlled by them. Your media is controlled by them. The judiciary is controlled by them. Your entire food chain is controlled by them. So what is it you want to boycott? What is there left for you to? Probably won't have anything to eat or drink, or you won't be able to live a normal life if you have to go to full boycott right now. So what is this thing, or what is Gaza telling you? Like the one brother in, in the United States of America, the one American, I think he was an archbishop, or us, who says, thank you, Gaza. You have just liberated us in America. Now we need to liberate ourselves in South Africa. And how do you liberate us? Let's take back our industries. You know, I said the other day I went to go to, there was about a whole 60, 80 Alims, Molanas, they had some event, I was invited, I was there. And they gave us kumi to drink thinking if you're taking Kui, you're doing away from Coca-Cola. Who owns Kui? Pepsi-Cola. Then I was in Cape Town. I said, no, I'm not going to drink all this thing. I'm going to buy Jive. Only to find out from <laughs> the soup or the shop that I bought it from. Uh, the owner says to me, Jive is also owned by Pepsi-Cola. So what is left? So that this is creating an opportunity. Our people, we've got the skills, we've got the wealth, we've got everything. My brother. It's time to start looking at all these strategic industries. There is business opportunities for our people, job creation opportunities in this country. Let us take back our country from the Zionists and let's take back our country from dependence on, in the West. Like I said to the minister on the minerals, you cannot take our minerals and allow, you say that the wealth belongs to the people in this country, but everybody else is controlling the world. Look at your coal. You're getting 2% royalties. The ones that are owning it are making mega bucks exporting it. That's why you're getting so much of uh, uh, energy crisis in, the South, in South Africa. They want you to go to renewal because the same people that owing, owning the renewable companies own the coal mines. So they make more money if they export the coal because Europe and everywhere else needs the coal. So they're making big money there so that you don't use up the coal here and make us suffer with no energy. But at the same time, want to introduce renewable energy so that when they move into renewable, they'll be making money there, which they are doing at the moment, and they're also making money out of the coal. But if you use the coal here, they won't be making money out of exporting the coal, and they won't make money out of the renewable energy. 
That is what load shedding is all about. Why do you think the minister Mantasha and the president of the country are at loggerheads when it comes to the energy issue? When I said that you need a mix in South Africa, you're never going to be able to eradicate coal mining completely, coal-fired power stations, because renewable energy won't meet the needs of this country. The minister is in agreement, but others are singing another story. Minister knows what he's talking about. So this is also a form of capture, and we need to take back even our minds. If you can't get a minimum 50-50 like President Masisi did in Botswana, that's the direction he's moving, then no, we can't be giving them our minerals, okay, at raw, at the crumbs, which is what we get for it, and they finish the goods and bring it back and make all the money. No, we need to create an industry out of finishing these goods and marketing after that. We need to make sure that the people of this country benefit from its natural resources. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave every country in the world something else for you to survive on. And he gave us agricultural land, some of the most arable in the land, beautiful country, beautiful climate, gave us minerals, and we took it and gave it. The whole of Africa has just taken it all and given it to the hands of these Zionists and these Westerners. There's an opportunity. Let's take it back. Let's take back what is rightfully ours. Mm, absolutely, Ahmed, and uh, brilliant indeed. Well, it's uh, time for us to go for the Isha Azan. And Ahmed, uh, you don't go anywhere because uh, we're going to keep you for truthful news also.